slow down a little bit. I had too much caffeine today. And uh, finally getting over a cold. Anyone else just been fighting like... And then, and then, of course, the fires and the smoke's not helping a whole lot. But, uh, but God is good. He is faithful. And we're getting better. Amen? God is a healer. Hey, would you turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 11? John chapter 11. We are at the end of a four-part series, uh, and uh, today is an exciting day. It's an exciting day because God performs a miracle that not just in, in Scripture, but I believe He's going to do a work in our lives today, uh, a miraculous work. We serve a miracle-working God. Do you believe that this morning? We serve a miracle-working God. He is a God of the impossible. The Bible tells, that there's, tells us that there's nothing too difficult for God. Now, I know that there's things that are too difficult for me, and I know there's things that are too difficult for you. Amen? Yeah, you, some of you are thinking about it. Yeah, just agree. Just nod your head. There are things that are too difficult for us, but God, there is nothing that is too difficult for Him. So we've been talking about waiting. Isn't it amazing you stop talking for like 30 seconds during a sermon or 25 seconds? Did you feel it? Did you feel that? What's, what's going on? Did he lose his place? Did his iPad turn off? Are you just waiting on God? Isn't it amazing that after 15 seconds, our bodies have a response to waiting? And maybe there's been things in your life that you've not waited 15 seconds for. Maybe you've been waiting for 15 years. That same feeling of, I, I, I can't do something about this. I'm out of control. We talked about that over the last few weeks. The real issue with waiting is not the waiting. It's the fact that I'm not in control. If I could fix this, if I could make it happen, I would. But the reality is there's things that we can't do for ourselves that we have to wait on someone else or we have to wait on God. And we just don't like it. It's not a comfortable feeling. At least it's not always a comfortable feeling. We would rather just get things done. And so... God talks about waiting a lot in His Word. It's a, it's a big theme for God, and so we have to pay attention. See, we're not good at waiting, and more specifically, we're not good at waiting patiently. We're just not patient. We need to remember that as we come into the holiday season, right? And, and it's amazing during this time where, where we should just be celebrating and nice to everyone. It's amazing how you can go to the mall and I, go, I think I go to the mall like once a year anymore. If, if it's not on Amazon, I might go to the mall. Anyone relate to that? Right? But the idea of looking for a parking spot, walking through the crowds, right, standing in line, just creates this low-key stress right away before I even get there. Need more coffee to get through the day. If we could do it for ourselves, we would. If we, if we could avoid all of those kinds of feelings, we would. But the reality is... I'm not strong enough, I'm not wise enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not disciplined enough, and fill in the blank, I'm not whatever enough. And so there's things that I have to wait on. And we've been talking about this encounter that Jesus has, starting in John chapter 11 and verse 1, where two, two people or the couple of messengers come from Mary and Martha, Jesus' friends, to let him know that their brother Lazarus, this, this man that... Jesus loves that he's sick. 
and that Jesus needs to come and, and do something about it, knowing that Jesus has the ability, he has the capability to do something about what's happening in Lazarus' life. And right out of the gate, it says that Jesus, upon hearing this, stayed where he was two more days. He didn't move because someone told him to move. And then when he decides to go, then the disciples tell him, hey, this is not a good idea, you shouldn't go. I'm so glad that God doesn't do what I tell him to do or what you tell him to do. I'm so glad that God is sovereign, he knows what's best, and he moves exactly when he needs to move. Now, now let's be clear. I don't always like that, right? Amen? I don't always like that, but at the end of the day, and as I look back over my life, I'm so thankful that God moves when he moves and doesn't just give me what I want. I tell you what, if God had given me everything I wanted in my life, my life would be a train wreck. It would be an absolute train wreck. So Jesus goes, he shows up, Mary and Martha both come to him separately and say the exact same thing, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would still be alive. They recognize the power of God moving in the life of Jesus Christ and in his ministry. If you had been here, you could have done something. And Martha steps out in faith and says, but even now I know that whatever you ask of the Father, he'll do it. He'll do it for you. And so Jesus' response to her is, well, your brother will live again. And so she gives a very theologically sound, comforting answer for herself. Well, I know that one day at the resurrection, he will rise again. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Yes, he will rise then. And yes, he talks about, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who comes to me will live. But he says, but, but it's more than that. He, he's gonna live. Again, we talked about the fact that in this moment, Jesus is deeply troubled that he's agitated, he's upset by what's going on because Jesus is bothered by the things that stand between us and the life that he has for us. He's not okay with the things that separate us from what he wants to do and accomplish in our lives. And so Jesus becomes agitated and almost to the point of being angry, not at, not at Mary and Martha and certainly not at Lazarus. He's angry at the enemy. And we talked about the fact that God's not angry with you. He's not angry with you. He's angry and he gets upset about the things that separate you from him, the things that get in the way. And so in this moment as Jesus is actually getting ready to go to the cross and even himself surrender his life, he's done. He's done. He says, this is enough. I am once and for all gonna deal with this death that separates my children, my children from me. The heart of the father extended to his kids. And then he weeps. We see the humanity of Jesus in this moment as he reveals how much he loves, the level of compassion that he has. And, and that word weeps there, it wasn't this that, that he felt sorry or, or, or just kind of teared up a little bit, right? I know for guys, like, guys are like, oh man, don't cry. I, do you ever see, how many of you seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Right, great movie, great, great cartoon. Right, the cop starts crying and the tear starts rolling down, and he's like, I could almost shed a tear, but not today. Get back in there, and the tear like goes back up in the tear duct. I think, I think sometimes guys were like that, that they were like, oh, I'm just not going to show emotion. So I just got to. Jesus wasn't that way. He wept. It says that he wept tears because of what he was feeling in this moment. 
All this, though, is going on, and Jesus knows what he's about to do, and that's where we come to today. He knows where he was headed. He knows what's about to take place. He knows the incredible miracle that's going to happen right in front of all of these people. And in the midst of it, he takes his time, he sits with people, he weeps, he gets angry, and now we come to verse 38. It says this in John eleven thirty-eight: 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, deeply agitated, deeply stirred up, comes to the tomb. It was a cave that, with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his, fa- his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Everything has been leading up to this moment in this story. This moment where Jesus comes to the grave, stands in front of this stone, in front of this cave, and he gives that instruction, get rid of the stone. Move the stone out of the way. And it's amazing to think that, that this man who had been dead for more than four days, that the protest of Martha, don't, you don't want to do that. It's not a good idea. Jesus says, just do what I'm telling you to do. And he talks to, the, to his father and then calls Lazarus. And I, I got to wonder, what was it like inside of that tomb? In that moment, Lazarus, the life breathing back into him, right, starts, starts twitching, the, the nerves start firing, the blood starts flowing, right, his eyes open. Did, did he realize he'd been dead for four days? He probably realized pretty quick that he didn't smell good, right, and he comes out of the grave. I want to talk about a few things that stand out in this passage. You can take notes this morning. I've got a couple of things I'm going to touch on. First is this. We need to be ready to take a step of faith. In the midst of our waiting, we need to prepare ourselves for the moment when God says, okay, it's time to take that next step. And that's not easy to do. See, because waiting, waiting can become a familiar place. And, and, and know this, waiting isn't a bad thing. I've already kind of established that, but I want to revisit this for a second. Waiting is not a bad thing. We understand that there's things that we just need to wait for. You can't, like, you can't rush a good cup of coffee, right? You got to wait the amount of time that it takes for that coffee to brew. I, I'm talking a lot about coffee this morning. Right? If you have a French press, you, you, like the water has to be the right temperature, and then you have to let it steep for just the right amount of time. Right? You can't rush it unless you want a bad cup of coffee. Simple analogy, but, but it applies in so many different ways in our lives. There's things that we just have to wait for. In the middle of waiting, things like preparation take place. 
God prepares us in the waiting. You're not ready yet. Our boys, uh, Mike, Blake and, and Gavin, play football. In fact, Gavin is part of Glendora High School football, and, and uh, they just won their second CIF game. They have their third game coming up this next Friday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, but here's what I know. Gavin, Gavin's a, a, a JV varsity player, plays up down. So, so he dresses out for these varsity games, but really hasn't got to play yet. And it's amazing to watch some of these players, these younger players, will get frustrated, right? It's that whole like, put me in the game, coach. Just put me in the game. No, you just got to wait. And I know this. I've seen coaches and I've talked to coaches that are going, I'm just, I'm, you're waiting. And I'm watching how well you wait and how well you respond to instruction and how, how good you think you are versus how teachable you are. And I know this, that the players that choose to submit themselves and don't tell the coaches how to coach them, but just allow and receive that instruction, when, they, when it's their time, are ready to go. That the coach is more than happy to put them into the game. Waiting can be a time of preparation. It can be a time of correction. Sometimes we're just ready to go, but we'll, we'll head off at 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. Right? Ever been there, right? You've done things, made decisions, maybe got in the car and gone somewhere and driven the wrong way. I have a friend who was on a road trip. They stopped to get gas, got back on the road. It was late at night. They've been driving for hours and hours and hours, got back on the freeway going the wrong way and just covered all of the ground back that they just made. And it took hours before they realized because everything looked different because they were going, Right? We have to make sure we're going the right direction. It's a time of instruction and, and receiving instruction from the Lord. And it can be an important time of healing and restoration in our lives. You can't rush healing. It takes time. And God says, I'm not ready for you to step into the next thing because I need you to find a level of healing and, and be made whole in my presence. But once those things are accomplished and once we realize that, that God is doing something, we need to start attuning ourselves to the fact at some point God's going to say, okay, now it's time. Now it's time to move. And so kind of the double-edged sword with this or the, 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 the drawback is sometimes we get comfortable in the waiting. We, we can become very familiar with the waiting and then God starts calling us out, and we're going, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I like, I, I, I like where I'm at. I'm not completely settled, and I'm not completely happy, but this is familiar, so I'll just, I'll just stay here. In fact, we see it in the children of Israel when they start talking about uh, Egypt. God calls them out, and things get difficult, and they're like, hey, can we go back? Because at least we have food to eat. And God's going, well, did you forget about all the bad stuff? They got complacent. They got familiar in this place where they were waiting. I always think of, even like with our militaries, we honor our veterans, what that's like to be in a place where you're just ready to go. You're just ready to go. On a moment's notice, say, you can get the call and you can be on a plane or on a ship heading to the other side of the world. Just like that, depending on what's happening, what's going on. 
All the different professions where that's true. Firefighters who, in the middle of the night, that alarm goes off, and you've got to be ready to heed the call. You can't wait. You can't hang back. A good friend of mine in high school is a firefighter, and he was telling me about academy. He's like, listen, if you sleep through an alarm, you're no longer a firefighter. You're done. Because you play a critical role in what, what needs to happen on that fire engine. And if you're not there, lives are lost. So there's zero tolerance for that. God calls us to be ready. We need to be ready to obey, to take a step of faith as the Lord would call us. So Jesus approaches the tomb. And he's going to do, he's about to do the very thing that he said he was going to do. He, did, he didn't keep it a secret. Realize that. He said it multiple times along the way. Hey, everyone, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call Lazarus back to life. Lazarus is sleeping. Oh, he's take- no, he's not taking a nap. He's dead, but I'm going to call him back to life. And I'm so glad I wasn't there for your sake because you need to see the glory of God. Mary and Martha, if you'd been here, he says, your brother is going to live again. He was absolutely clear about what he was going to do. And so he shows up at the, at the tomb. And he's now going to fulfill his promise. He's going to do the thing that he said he would do. And so he gives that instruction. Take away the stone. Get rid of the thing that's going to prevent Lazarus from coming out of the grave. And immediately, as he walks in faith, Jesus is walking by faith. In his humanity, in connection with the Father, walking in obedience to what God is telling him to do, he gets to this point and now he takes a step of faith and says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. I'm about to do something. And as soon as he has said that, he is met right away with opposition. (laughs) No, that's not a good idea. That's not something you should do. And it's from Martha, the very person who wants to see her brother alive again, the one who has, as it were, the most skin in the game is the one who gives the resistance. Jesus, you don't want to do that. It's been four days and there's already a bad odor. It's too late. He's too far gone. The same person who had said, you can ask God and he'll do anything you ask him to do. The same mouth that made that declaration is now saying, except that. Except for that. See, because there's some kind of limitation. There's some cultural overlay. There's some kind of scientific thing that we we can smell that it's, it's too late. Here's what I know. That when you prepare your heart to step out in faith and start taking those steps, you will face opposition. You will face opposition every single time. If you are taking a step towards God's call on your life, God's purpose in your life, God's, God's uh, design for your life, you will face opposition. You will fa- face opposition from your own fears. Things that rise up inside of you that say there's no way. It's not going to happen. It's never happened before. I've never seen this be turned around before. There's no way. It's not going to happen. I don't know what it would look like if this actually happened, if this thing came to pass, if God's call on my life for the thing that he had spoken to me, the promise he gave, if it actually happened, I don't know what I would do with it. 
And so these fears start creeping up inside of us. I think I'm good just waiting. I'm good right where I'm at. And God's like, no, no, I'm calling you to step out. And that fear can be crippling. Of course, we know that the enemy comes against us. When we walk in obedience to the things that God is telling us, the enemy of our soul, the one who wants to steal and kill and destroy, of course, he's going to oppose at every point that he can. Because the last thing he wants you doing is the thing that God's called you to do. He wants you to stay ineffective and incapacitated within the kingdom of God. He doesn't want you to have an impact in the lives around you. He doesn't want you to walk in healing and strength and wholeness. He doesn't want you to be a person of faith. He wants to debilitate you. God's saying, I'm calling you out. and So we have to recognize those fiery darts of the enemy. Which why Paul says, listen, put on the full armor of God so that when those fiery darts come, right, we have the shield of faith to withstand the attacks of the enemy. But here's the one I want to kind of land on this morning for a minute is is the opinions of people around us. Even the people that are closest to us. As we would share, I believe God is speaking this to me. Well, I don't know about that. I, I don't know, that, that seems kind of out there. I don't know, you know, you've never seen God do that before. I don't know, are you sure that's God? Are you sure you're actually good at that thing? Are you sure you're ready? You know, you might want to consider some other options first. Remember I said a few weeks ago, there's no plan B with God, right? But we're, we're really good at the plan B, and C, and D, and E. And, and maybe you're not good at it, but the people in your life might be good at it for you. Hey, here's what I feel like God's telling me to do. Yeah, but how, you're so old. Come on, let's be real. Maybe it's not that, that out there. That ship has sailed. You're done. And I've, I've always had it in my heart to do. God's always just put a burden in my heart for. No, it's too late. Did I mention that nothing is too difficult for God? That includes he is not limited to your age at all. I read an article this week. There's a guy in Holland who's trying to get his age legally changed from 69 to 49. Because he feels like he's a 49-year-old, which has all kinds of weird implications, and thank you, Holland, for the weirdness. But listen, we don't need to do that with God. He doesn't look at a number and say, well, you're limited because of. You were born on this date, so your, your shelf life is running out. I want to have the spirit of Caleb when he was 80 years old and God says, are you ready? And he's like, let me at it. I'm ready to go. I am not done. But the voices in our life and sometimes the people who are the very closest to us will start saying, no, there's no way. It's not possible. It's been too long. You don't have this. You don't have that. question is, what is God saying? If it were easy, we wouldn't need faith. 
if it were easy, we wouldn't need faith. If you can do it without God, it's not faith. And fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. Whatever it is for you. But God says, I will walk with you. I will, I will be in step with you. I will speak to you. I will give you what you need to see the impossible happen in your life. There's that moment where Peter is standing on the edge of the boat and the waves are around him and he is more than happy to be in the boat. It's his happy place. We know that because when things get difficult, it's what he goes back to. He's a fisherman. Fishermen stay in the boat. They don't go for a swim. And he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. And in that moment, Peter has to decide, do I step out of what's my norm? Surrounded by other fishermen who are like, what are you doing? Peter. And he has to decide to silence those other voices and say, I'm going to take a step out of the boat and walk in obedience. So we need to be ready in the midst of the waiting, we need to posture ourselves to say, Lord, when, when it's time, I need to be ready to take the step of faith that you're calling me to take. But here's the deal, church. Second point is this. Do not take the step until you hear from God. Hear from God and then stick to what he said. Hear from God and stick to what he has said. Jesus said this to Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? There's a promise in this. Jesus is telling Martha and Mary and that crowd, listen, God wants to show you his glory. He doesn't want to hide himself. He doesn't want to keep himself from you. He doesn't want to be obscure or distant. He wants to show you who he is. In fact, this whole situation with Lazarus is going on. Why? So that God would be revealed, that his glory would be shown to the people around. But it takes hearing a word from God. Jesus hears from the Father. And over and over in scripture, we hear Jesus say, I don't just do whatever I want to do. I wait for a word from God, from my father. I only do the things he's told me to do. And when he tells me to do something, you better believe I do it. I go for it. I don't hold back. In this moment, he has a conversation with the father. Lord, I know you hear me. Father, I know you hear me. And that you... That, that, and, and I, and I want to hear you. And I'm, I'm only having this conversation by the... I love the little parenthetical things that Jesus does in the midst of praying. Father, I'm having a conversation with you, but I really don't need to have the conversation because we've already talked. I'm having the conversation for the sake of all of these around me who need to know that you hear. They need to believe. God, I pray that they would hear your voice that they would hear your voice the way I hear you, you, uh, your voice. So the question is this, as you wait to step out in faith, in no matter what it is that you're waiting in, can I just cast a broad net? This could be physical. This could be an emotional need in your life. 
This could be your calling, what God is speaking to you. Maybe you're in a job where you're going, I know this isn't the job I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe at some point in your life, God spoke to you and he said, I have a call on your life to go and do whatever. And it seemed too hard, things got in the way, and you have not done the thing that God has called you to do. And you're, you've just kind of resigned yourself to, it's too late, it's too far gone. Maybe it's a calling of God on your life. Maybe it's a relationship that's been broken and you're waiting for that relationship to be restored. Maybe it's in the area of your finances. Maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe it's in your marriage. There's a lot of different places in our lives where we could be waiting. And so my question to you today is, what is God saying about that? What is God saying Not what is Pastor Barry saying, what is my friend saying, what is my spouse saying, what is that person that I listen to on the podcast saying, what is my favorite author saying, what is Jesus Calling saying, love Jesus Calling, right? But it's not the word of God. Now God can speak through it. But you have a personal relationship with God. You can go to him yourself and ask, God, what do you say about this? And expect him to speak. As a pastor, I I get people ask me all the time, well, pastor, how do I know that I'm hearing the voice of God? And and it's a hard question, right? Because we know this. God doesn't always, very, very rarely, it doesn't mean he can't, but very rarely does he speak audibly to us. And so if that's what we're waiting for, we'll probably be waiting a while. I know this, God speaks to me through his word. Loud and clear. And on any given day, I can open this and I can read, and God knows that in that moment, on that day, for all of eternity, He he has known that I would read those words on that day. God is speaking. Like Elijah in the cave, sometimes we're looking for the rock, for the fireworks, for the, for the fire, for the earthquake, for the, the earth-shattering ways that he will speak before Elijah in that cave in 1 Kings. It was the quiet whisper. And sometimes there's just a deep knowing as we press into our relationship with the Lord. I, I've, I've come to a place in my walk with the Lord when I just, there's a deep sense of knowing what God is speaking And that's hard. That's hard to to teach. That's something you develop through spiritual discipline and just being in the word and and being a person of prayer. But when you know, you know. And my prayer for you would be this, that you would develop that sense. If If you don't know, if you don't know if you're hearing the voice of God, be in the word more. Be diligent to be in the word. Be diligent to be a person of prayer because you're definitely not gonna hear if you're not listening. So what is God speaking to you? Because here's what I know. We don't follow opportunities. We don't follow open doors. And we don't follow money. And we don't follow people. We follow one thing and one thing only. We follow the word of God. Because the word of God will never pass away. It will never fade. It will sustain us. It is an anchor to our souls. So the question is, what is God speaking to you? And if you're in a time of waiting and you're not hearing the voice, that's where you start. If you're waiting, press in and start saying, God, I need to hear your voice. 
I need to hear your voice. Pray prayers like this, God, would you quiet down the noise and the distraction in my life because I need to hear your voice. It's Miriam, Martha, back in their house when Lazarus was still alive and Mary's sitting at his feet listening to his words and Martha is busy. And Martha complains and says, my sister... Tell her to come help me. And Jesus says, Martha, you are distracted by many things. Mary has chosen the better thing. And here in the same same two people with the same community, we see that picture. Mary has chosen to sit at my feet and remove the distractions and hear my voice. We have to hear from God and then we have to stick to what he has said because along the way, people And circumstances and situations and doubts and fears will come up that will oppose the very thing that God has called you to do. And so we follow the word of the Lord. Lazarus is lying on a slab of rock inside of a cave, wrapped up and not smelling real good. And he hears these words, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. I love that Jesus didn't use a lot of words. Just simply, Lazarus, come out. And so he did. And, and let's, be, let's be honest for a second. It must have been kind of comical. Because the man is wrapped up. His legs are wrapped up. His arms are wrapped up. His face is wrapped up. And when you see these caves in Israel, they weren't real tall. There must have been a point where he's like bumping into stuff. Right? And he's hopping. Come on. He's hopping out of the cave. Now, everyone's in awe. We would have been in awe. But there's this part of this. This is not normal. Right? Dead people don't come out of the grave. And so they're watching something unfold in front of them that is a miracle of all miracles. Yes, you've caused blind people to see and the lame to walk, but now you're calling the dead back to life after the expiration date, right? Lazarus hears the voice. In fact, see the progression. Jesus hears the voice of the Father. He turns around and he then calls out to Lazarus. Lazarus hears the voice of Jesus and he responds and what was dead comes back to life. What was dead comes back to life. This is the power of our God. This is how he wants to move in our lives. That when we hear his voice, things that are seemingly dead and gone will come back to life. He will restore. He will refresh. He will revive. He will renew those places in our lives that we feel like it's too late. It's too late. So what is God speaking to us? Like I said, we need to keep on hearing from God. Oh, I heard from God once. Okay. I want to hear from him every minute of the day. I want to be so in tune with him that there's not a day that goes by that I don't hear his voice, that I don't sense what he is speaking over my life. Isn't it amazing how quickly we go from novice to expert? Come on, somebody. Oh, I did that once. I know what I'm doing. Right? No. 
If you want to be good at something, you will sit under training. You will make sure that you get better and you develop over a process of time. And what we do with God sometimes is we hear a sermon, we read a book, and we're like, oh, I got that. I'm good. I know what's up. Information doesn't mean transformation. Information doesn't mean transformation. It's an important part, but it doesn't accomplish that just by itself. And sometimes we get information, especially in our cultural context. I watched a documentary. I went to a college. I read a book. I heard a sermon. I'm good to go. No. No, not necessarily. That we need to keep coming back to the Lord and allowing Him to correct us all along the way. We need all the help we can get. You need all the help you can get. And I suspect you know that. Isaiah 30, 21 says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the promise of God to you. Doesn't matter where you go, wherever you find yourself in life, and you might be going, I did not expect to be here. I never imagined in my wildest dream this, this is what my life would end up looking like, right or the left. And God says, if you will listen, there is a voice speaking to you, saying, this is the way, walk in it. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Your word, say it with me, your your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. If I want to know where I'm going in the midst of the darkness around me, God, your word will illuminate my way. God's promise to you. Deuteronomy 5.32 So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. And God says, this is what I'm asking you to do. This is what I'm calling you to. Now stick to it. Don't deviate. Now listen, we can get all kinds of legalistic about that. Lord, what's your will for me today? Because I don't want to, I want to step outside of your will. That's not a bad prayer to pray but if we're walking in this place of fear, then we're getting it a little bit wrong. God, where should I have lunch today? God's like, it's, it's okay. Take a deep breath, right? We understand this, that, that, that God's speaking. In the midst of my day, though, when God stirs on my heart to say, hey, go pray for that person. Hey, go, give that person a hug. God, I'm too busy. He goes, no, no, no. Left or right, don't deviate. I've called you to be a people who care about each other and extend my love. Be careful to do what the Lord has commanded. And then finally, we need to remove the grave clothes. We need to remove the grave clothes. It says that the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, he said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hallelujah. Lazarus was alive. But he still smelled bad. He still smelled bad. Yes, he was alive. Yes, he was out of the grave. But some things needed to happen. 
Jesus calls us to life. He is our life. In fact, he said just a few, few verses before this, I am the resurrection and the life. He is our life, and he calls us to walk in that new life. But could I suggest this morning that for some of us, probably all of us, there are things that are still clinging to us that smell like the old life. Actually, that smell like death. And we just get used to the smell or ignore it. But the reality, it's there and you just can't get away from it. Lazarus walks into new life, hops into new life. But there's something that needs to happen. He says, he doesn't say to Lazarus, hey, get yourself cleaned up. He says to the people around, hey, go and help him and take off the grave clothes. Remove the thing that smell like death so that he can fully embrace what God has for him, this new life. We have this responsibility in each other's lives and the opportunity to come alongside of each other and get into the, the thick of it with each other, to love each other and be gracious to each other and to help unwrap the grave clothes that are clinging to us. What is this community, what is the church all about? It's not about just being on proximity. I've talked about this a lot. Proximity and community are not the same thing. It's not enough for us just to see each other and be like, oh, hey, how's it going? And then for us to lie and say, oh, it's great. I'm good. Now, I, I know this. We're not going to be close friends with everyone in this room. But this is where the Lord speaks to us and he says, that person right there, you need to go talk to that person. There's a person I'm putting in front of you. There are people that God is going to bring into your life that will be there to help you remove the grave clothes, to walk with you in such a way that, that to, tomorrow is better than what today is. As you walk from death into life, from darkness into light. And here's what happens so often in the church is we're so concerned about what's wrapping ourselves up that we can't help each other. But God's heart for his church is this, that we would press into each other's lives, that we would know each other, that we would trust each other in such a way that we can then help unwrap those things that are binding us up and preventing us from experiencing the fullness of life that God has for us. Pastor Barry, you know, like I was talking to that guy, I was talking to that gal, and man, they just got a lot of issues. And I just, I don't know what to say, and it's hard. Listen, for those people that Jesus says, hey, go unwrap the grave clothes, I'm sure in the back of their mind they're going, I, really? You can smell, you smell what I smell, Right? Isn't it amazing that we can lose sight of the, the miracle because of the things, the outward things that we perceive? Jesus says, press through that stuff. One of our values as a church is grace extended. It also, one of our values is love does. Love does. That we have this beautiful kingdom invitation to be a part of each other's lives 
And it doesn't look like this. They don't go up and go, Lazarus, you stink. Dude, what's going on? Like they all knew. Can we, we're all a mess. We're all a mess. We all have things that need to be removed from our lives. We're all in the same boat. But how awesome would it be if we as the body of Christ would press in, get through the awkwardness, learn to trust, and become an agent of changing each other's lives. As Jesus says, hey, go in and remove the, the grave clothes and let them go. It's a beautiful picture of what God is inviting us to do and participating with him. And I'll close with this. Ephesians 5.8 says this. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Live as children of light. What we were is not what we are. That the voice of God is calling out to us and saying, I want to move you from death to life, from darkness to light, from being stuck to having your feet set on a rock. This is the heart of God towards you. These are the promises of God towards you. And like Jesus in this passage, he doesn't want to keep it a secret. He doesn't want to hold it back. He's not playing a guessing game. He's being very plain and saying, this is what I want to accomplish And my prayer for you today is this, even as I've been speaking, that the Holy Spirit have been stirring your heart to say, what is it in my life? What is the dream? What is the vision? What is the hope? What is the thing that I have resigned myself to say, it's too late, it's too far gone, there's no way. And Jesus would say, I will move. I can move. It's not too, excuse me, it's not too late. My desire, my prayer is that you would hear the voice of the Lord calling to you, just like Lazarus heard that voice as like he were in a dream. He heard the voice and he came back to life. Let's hear the voice of the Lord as we stand and invite the worship team to come. Lord Jesus, this morning, We recognize that you never change, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same Jesus that called Lazarus from the grave, that you're here, that your voice is being heard, that you are speaking and that you are still calling dead things to life, that you are restoring brokenness to wholeness, that you are healing broken bodies that you are mending relationships. God, that you are the God over all I know. You are the God of the impossible. And so, Lord, we surrender those things to you this morning that seem impossible, that that seem like there's no way. And we invite you to have your way in the midst of our waiting, Lord. Do a work in our hearts. Do a work in our lives. Cause us to hear your voice and cause us to walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen.